God bless you, man. Thank you. You know, a couple weeks ago, I realized that Toronto was playing Pittsburgh last night on the day before I was going to speak. And I said to Pastor Tom, listen, do you know that's happening? And Pastor Tom said to me, I realize it's happening, but I don't want to make a bet this year. In other words, I don't want the loser to have to wear the other team's jersey. And when the Leafs lost last night, I was so happy that we did not make that, uh, that bet. So I, here I am dressed in my normal clothes and not in a Pittsburgh Penguins shirt. They're really ugly colors, Pastor Tom, like black and yellow. Like, it doesn't even go together, really. Blue and white is so much nicer, isn't it? Yeah, I thought so too. Well, listen, it's great to be here with you today. And uh, it's great to see. I, I recognize some faces from last year. It's always pretty good to see familiar faces, isn't it? Isn't it nice to get together with familiar faces? How many of you had family home maybe for Thanksgiving? You experienced... It's good to see that. Well, you know, although you'd say, yeah, it's always good to see familiar faces, I would say it's not always good to see familiar faces. Let me explain. Tony Campolo tells a story where he went to work on a rainy day and realized he'd left all his umbrellas in the office, in, the, in his closet in the office. So he walked down this, to the bus stop, took the bus stop to the subway, walked down the steps of the subway, walked across the platform, got on the subway car and started going to his stop. His stop was announced and he, without thinking he reached down and he grabbed the umbrella that was on the seat beside him. It was an older lady's umbrella. And she said, young man, that's my umbrella. And he apologized profusely. At the end of the day, his wife called his office and said to his admin assistant, she said, tell Tony to please check the closet. He's left all the umbrellas of ours in his closet. So sure enough, he went to his closet and there were four umbrellas sitting there. He put those four umbrellas off under his arm and walked back to the subway station, walked down the steps, and as he was walking across the platform of the subway, he came across a familiar face. He ran into the woman whose, whose umbrella he had tried to steal that morning. And he looked at her, and she looked at him with his four umbrellas under his arm, and she said, well, you've had a good day of it, haven't you? <laughs> so anyway, it's good to see familiar faces for me today, but it isn't always good to see familiar faces. I'm glad to be here in Huron, as Pastor Tom said, uh, our son Thaddeus and daughter-in-law Christy and the two cutest grandchildren in the world live here. And if you've got grandchildren living here, I don't mean yours, I mean mine, uh, Micaiah and Jude. And we're really glad to be visiting them for the weekend. Jude wanted to, or Micaiah wanted to hang in here to hear Papa John start preaching before he goes to church. So Micaiah, thanks for staying. I appreciate that. Listen, how many of you have enjoyed this Thanksgiving season? You've, you've had a good time with family and friends? Yeah. How many of you have had a little bit too much to eat this Thanksgiving season? I know I have, although that really describes me almost every week. But anyway, uh, Thanksgiving is another, another level of that, I think. You might, how, many, how many think sometimes we overdo holidays, vacation, holidays like this? We overdo stuff. It gets built up. Well, you might be overdoing Thanksgiving if you had to call the paramedics this week to bring the jaws of life to pry you out of your lazy boy chair. You might be overdoing Thanksgiving. If, you, if, you, uh, if, they, do, uh, uh, if, if they do some sort of uh, uh, cholesterol screening, they, they prick your finger for cholesterol screening. 
screening and only come up with gravy, well then you might be overdoing Thanksgiving. And if the volume of potatoes that your family consumed at, uh, during this Thanksgiving season uh, perhaps was enough to set off a famine in Ireland, well then you certainly have been uh, overdoing. But anyway, I want to talk a little bit about Thanksgiving today, if I can, with you. And when, when we say Thanksgiving... I think most of all we think of turkey, don't we? We think of turkey. We think of, of relatives. I know the last three years we've spent with, uh, with uh, Christy and Thaddeus and Micaiah and now Jude. We've enjoyed getting together. We think of having time off work. Isn't that a great part of Thanksgiving? We think of football. How many of you saw some football this weekend? You, it was on the screen a little bit, yeah. Uh, did anybody watch the Detroit Lions? On, on I think I've got a, a fellow Detroit Lion fan, and uh, that's my favorite team, and they got beaten pretty badly. But did you see University of Michigan yesterday beat Ohio State? I know I've got a Michigan fan right here. Well, sometimes we get confused about what, what Thanksgiving is all about, but really, if you think of it, it really simply means giving thanks. We're giving thanks. And this morning, I want to take my text. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So if you've got a Bible, if you've got an app on your phone, I invite you to turn to it. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And we're going to read, starting off with three verses. We have a lot of scripture this morning, but we're going to start with three verses, verses 12 to, to 15. Four verses, actually. Verses 12 to 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I'm going to read it for you. You follow along uh, in your, on your phone or on the screen. We have the slides provided as well. It says, The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you've proved yourself, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. And for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. I want us to concentrate just specifically as we start out this morning on that last part. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. I think there's at least three ways today that we can, uh, three focuses that we can have as we, as we look how to celebrate Thanksgiving really every day in our lives. And the first one is this. We need to recognize the need for gratitude. We need to recognize that we need to be thankful for something. A shipwreck occurred, true story, on September 8, 1860. Pastor Tom, do you remember that happening? I don't know if you remember. Uh, Pastor, uh, September 8, 1960, when the Lady Elgin steamship was rammed by, in a gale storm by the schooner Augusta in the waters of Lake Michigan near Waukegan, Illinois. Some students from Northwestern University came to the rescue, including one student whose name was Edward Spencer. He personally saved the lives of 17 people who were perishing that night. Decades, and there's all kinds of details I could give you, but Pastor Tom told me I have to be done preaching by 2 p.m., so I'll cut some of those details out. Decades later, a reporter was following up on the story of this event. He went to interview the now elderly Spencer. And when he was asked what the one thing that stood out about the incident in his mind was, Spencer replied, I remember that of the 17 people I saved that day, not one of them ever thanked me. Isn't that something? 
No doubt the people from the shipwreck were probably feeling overwhelmed by all that had happened to them. They were going through the most difficult circumstances of their life, no doubt that day. But even beyond that thought process, have you ever experienced people taking for granted the many blessings that they have in their lives? We have been richly blessed, haven't we? God has poured his blessing out to each one of us. Some folks, it seems to me, forget that each of us need to be forever grateful for all the good things that we have in our lives. If you look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 7, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. We need to be overflowing gratitude. Another scripture, Colossians 3.15, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. We're looking back to the first scripture I read, 2 Corinthians 9.15, Thanks be to God. That word thanks in our text shows us that gratitude should be overflowing in our lives. But in society today, it seems as there are some who have either forgotten or don't understand the concept of gratitude. And I think I can illustrate it best this way. How many of you have young children or grandchildren? Can I see your hand? And Good, okay. Some of you do, some of you don't, and I understand that. Well, the reality is this. Sometimes when we have children or grandchildren, they go through a stage that we call the terrible twos. Have any of you ever found yourself in a situation with a child in the terrible twos. Beverly, it's just you and I, apparently, this morning that have gone through that. But of course you have. All of us go through that. And, and they drag their parents and grandparents through that as well. I mean, not my grandkids. Micaiah and Jude are perfect. But, but of course, with Thaddeus and his sister, yes, they took us through those times. Kids going through the terrible twos have two favorite words, don't they? One of them is mine, and the other is what? No. That's right. No. They say no to everything. No and mind. And I remember a time when Thaddeus was about in this age range. And we used to live on the border of Ontario, the province of Ontario, and, and Michigan. Right across the border, if you know your geography, from Port Huron, Michigan. That's where we lived. I mean, we were 15 minutes, 10 minutes not even to, to get across to the other side of the border. And, and when we go through to the United States side, like in Canada, they just took our money to get across the bridge. But when we got to the States, they ask us questions, don't they? And they say, what is your citizenship? Canadian. Now, Thaddeus didn't speak much. He's sitting like a king on his throne, in the, uh, on his car seat, in the, in the back seat. What's your citizenship? And it's Canadian. And uh, where are you going? Well, we're going shopping at Target, of course. Canadians, they love their Target. And thirdly, do you have any alcohol or tobacco that you've brought across? Well, I want you to know, for the last six months, Thaddeus had only said the words mine and no. But at that moment, when the, when the guard said, do you have any alcohol or tobacco? Thaddeus, King Thaddeus in his throne said, yep. <laughs> the car was searched. No, it wasn't at all. But that was the only time he'd ever said yes in his life at that point. When we, we don't have to teach kids to say no, do we? We don't have to 
teach kids to, to say no. They know. We don't have to teach them how in the middle of the grocery store, to, when they don't get something, to throw themselves on the floor and have a tantrum. That just happens automatically, doesn't it? See, by nature, we're not normally thoughtful or thankful for what we receive. In fact, we overlook the blessings that come our way. Adults, I'm picking on kids today, but I think we need to remember to say thank you and to set an example of gratitude for others to follow. We need to cultivate an attitude of thanksgiving and gratitude in our lives. But, but how do we know if that's happening in our lives? Well, I think there's two little ways we can find it. The words that we say. What are the words? What do your words say? We sometimes think, how can I be more thankful? We'll start with the words you say. Ephesians 5.4 says, There must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. The words that we say show our thanksgiving and our gratitude. The next thing is the prayers that we pray. Philippians chapter 4.6, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer, and petition, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The words that we say we need to be thankful, but the prayers that we pray, even when we're going through a difficult time, we represent our requests with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving in our hearts. I'm not sure what your experience was when you were when you had young kids, but I think I can relate to the experience of, of not being a perfect dad. And no amens, Thaddeus, at that point. Please don't say amen. But, but the story of the father that came and made a big show of breakfast. Dear Lord, thank you for this delicious food that you've provided for us. Thank you for another day. He prayed this flowery prayer, and as soon as he said amen, he started eating, and he started complaining about the eggs that were runny and the toast that was burned and the coffee that was cold and his daughter said to him dad do you think God heard you when you blessed the food well of course he heard me honey of course he did and do you think he also heard you when you complained and the father thought for a minute he said well yes he did and the daughter asked him a question that I think we need to think about the daughter said which one do you think God believes the thanks or the complaining that's a good reminder, friends, for all of us today. And it makes me think of Colossians 4.2, which says, Devote yourself to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. We need to be alert and think about the words that we're saying and the prayers that we're praying. It's God's will that we're thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 reminds us, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. The will of God, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, if you're like me, you've probably had the experience of putting together an event, maybe a, a, a church event or a family meal. Or maybe you've been working on a school project with, uh, with, your, with your child, and, and you do all the work, and, and, and you, or you put this meal together or this church event together. You do all this work. You, you pull your hair out trying to do it, and no one says thank you, despite all the things that you've done. That's happened to me, and it, it's disappointing. It hurts. Well, I want us to think about it really as in, a, in a contemplative, in a self-reflective way today. If we get that disappointed with others, when we've made an effort to make something nice, and they don't say anything, how much more do you think God could feel slighted when we as recipients of his incredible generosity are reluctant to thank him or to worship 
or to share a portion of our resources to give back to God that which he's given us. See, God doesn't need our money. God doesn't need our words. But he desires that we would be people of gratitude. And gratitude is important to him. Giving financially to the Lord through the ministry of the church is important to him because that's when we recognize all he's done and that is how we can express our thanks. It's our recognition that he, we've been generously provided by our Father God. So the first, first thing I'm talking about with you today is the idea that we, have to, we need to uh, recognize the need for gratitude. Gratitude. Secondly, I want to say that we need to refocus on the giver of good things. The second aspect that's involved in thanksgiving is to be intentionally aware of who has given us the incredible blessings that we have. Paul tells us in the text today that, that our, our thanksgiving should be directed to our Father God. See, sometimes we try to express gratitude or say thank you or say thank you to God with the words that we say, but in our hearts we're complaining. It's like the man that talked about the breakfast and prayed about the breakfast. Maybe you've had some of those days before. How do we get around by saying, how do we get around to saying thank you even when we have been disappointed? Even when things haven't gone the way that we would have liked them to go? Is there any way, do you think, that we can reframe our attitudes in order to move from a place of being sullen and disappointed to maybe being a person that's living with thanksgiving? Most of you are familiar with the old hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, and to save everybody's day, I will not sing it to you this, this morning, but great is thy faithfulness. The words in that song indicate a willingness to give thanks to God in every situation. Summer and winter and springtime and harvest, all four seasons of the year. Another song probably that you know is 10,000 Reasons by Matt Redman. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And on that day when my strength is failing, the end draws near and my time has come, still my soul will sing your praise unending, 10,000 years and then forevermore. We need to worship God no matter where we are, young or old, springtime or winter. And, and you know, Pastor Tom talked about the weather today. Yeah, the snow is great. And I think you probably have a perception. I'm from Canada. that I probably live in an igloo and have a polar bear as a pet. It is cooler here today than it was in Canada. We are, we are actually north of South Dakota. We're, or we, yeah, we are. So are, that, that backfired on me. Uh, we are south of where North Dakota, I think, is perhaps on a, on a map. But if not... Forgive me, I could be wrong. I, I don't know my geography. I'm better, than, uh, I'm better than the coach this week that thought Mount Rushmore was in California. Did you see that in the news this week? Did you see that? That was, that was interesting. Anyway, we don't just find references to Thanksgiving in the lyrics of songs that we sing at church. Rather, the scriptures are filled with references to being thankful. Let me give you two methods of refocusing on the giver of gifts. We need to, first of all, worship with all our heart. Look at Psalm chapter 9, verse 1. I'll give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will tell of all thy wonders. Another reference from the Psalms. Psalm 86, 12. I'll give thanks to thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and will glorify thy name forever. Let me give you an example of, how, of what this can look like, how it could play out, this worshiping God with all our hearts. Imagine that you've been away on a business trip for three or four weeks, 
and you come into the airport and, and your wife meets you there when, when, when you've been away for such a long time and you walk up to your wife and she walks up to you, her arms are outstretched and she says, I love you and you say, I love you too. You know, I said the right thing, but did it come from my heart? Does it come from the seat of my emotions? Friends, I think one way that we can gauge, we can self-monitor our response uh, to how, to how uh, thankful we are is even in a time of worship, for example. When songs are sung, maybe, maybe they're songs that you don't know. And you walked into church and you think, I want to worship the Lord. But then Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Christie, as, as Micaiah would say, Miss, Mrs. Christie sings a song that you, know, you don't know. And you think, why aren't we singing one of the hymns that I know? Why do we sing this song? Our attitude in worship times is so important. We need, we need to worship God at all times with our whole hearts. And speaking of worship service... Something to keep in mind is that worship is not limited to singing and playing instruments. Sometimes we think when we talk about worship, it's just what happens on Sunday morning before Pastor Tom gets up to preach. That's not what worship, that's not the extent of what worship is. We can express our thanksgiving through times of singing, our voices raised, instruments playing this more, uh, etc. And that is true, and the scriptures talk about that. Some of you may wonder, you know, well, some, I saw Thaddeus, he's got, he plays, is it the cajon, is that what it's called when he plays the drum, and piano's being played here, and, and, and we sometimes wonder, well, what's, what's that all about? Well, Psalm 33, verse 2 talks us why we use instruments. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Sing praises to him with a harp of ten strings. Now, if you've ever been a, in a music class at high school, I went through four years of high school music, listening to all the instruments warming up at one time. It's a cacophony of horrible sounds. And, and, and I, I tell you, somebody, I say that, and, and, and even when they're playing the right notes, it still sounds pretty brutal sometimes. But, but when they play together, often the results change. And it goes from the horrible-sounding tuning to a beautiful melody as they start to play. And that's what happens when we put our voices, no matter how we sing, no matter how well we can carry a tune or not, when we lift our voices to God, it's a powerful thing. Psalm 35, 18 says, I'll give thee thanks in the congregation. I'll praise you among a mighty throng, a large crowd. Psalm 104, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. Psalm 47, verse 7, talks about singing. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Give, sing praises to our God on the lyre. And then Colossians 3, 16, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts. That's why we sing songs like we sang this morning. Uh, the blessing. What a beautiful song. And I was sitting back with Micaiah and to hear him sing along to some of that. And the goodness of God. What a wonderful song. Great is thy faithfulness. How great thou art. Come into his presence. I'm forever grateful. Friends, we are singing with thanksgiving in our hearts. Psalms 109 verse 30 says, With my mouth I will give thanks abundantly to the Lord. In the midst of many I will praise him. Hebrews chapter 13, 15 says, through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. 
That is the fruit of our lips that give thanks to his name. These last two verses tell us we don't just sing. We sometimes speak words. The words that we sing have to be filled with thanksgiving. I know something you probably don't know yet about Thaddeus, but Thaddeus is a little bit of a sports fan. Has that, has that ever come out in some... Yeah, maybe it has. I don't know. And we are both Detroit Lions fans, as is Pastor Tom's son-in-law. And it was a sad Thanksgiving day on Thursday as they lost. And I know as a, as a real Lions fan, I'm, I'm probably not allowed to like any other team in the, in the NFC North. I recognize that. But I have to tell you, I'm very impressed by the quarterback by the name of Joshua Dobbs of the Minnesota Vikings. How many know this story? If you're a fan, you might know it. A cast-off by the Arizona Cardinals. He was on the practice roster, I think. The Vikings picked him up because their starting quarterback, Kirk Cousins, got hurt, and, and they were going to bring him on as a backup. So he got picked up on Wednesday. But an injury to the guy they were going to start, a quarterback, on the next Sunday meant three days into his time with the Vikings, he was thrust into the game as the first-string quarterback. He hadn't even practiced with the team, the first-string players yet. And so there he is trying to win the game. And, you know, not just trying. He won the first two games that he played in. He has been, it's been an incredible surprise. He lost last Sunday. And I hope, because he's in the Lions division, I hope he loses every other game he plays this year. But it's a great story. And I'll tell you why I'm telling you about Joshua Dobbs. Despite his on-field success, listen to what he says on the topic of worship and praise. He says, my personal relationship with Jesus Christ means everything to me. Everything that I am or ever hope to be, I owe to God and my parents. I try to live in a way that glorifies God in everything I do. He goes on to say, I was raised in a Christian home where my parents grounded me in principles that helped me deal with the demands of life. I believe in the power of prayer, whether a situation is good or bad, I am guided by faith. Speaking of the day when he was baptized as a 16-year-old, Dobbs said, that was the time I publicly proclaimed my faith in Jesus Christ, and at the end of the day and end of our lives, that is all that really matters. He has been faithful to me, so I aim to be faithful to him in all that I do and everything I am as a man. Listen, the day will come, he says, when I won't be part of any football team. But the decision, the decision I made in my sophomore year in high school to be part of Team Jesus, I will be part of that team for, for all of my life and for all eternity. Friends, there is a man right there, a football athlete that is starting to rise in, in, despite what people thought. There's a man that understands that we don't just give praise to God when worship, although in a worship service in, in church is wonderful, but the words that we speak, the, the meditation of our heart that comes across our lips, that is how we can worship the name of the Lord as well. I want to be that kind of a person as well that refocuses my attention on the giver of gifts. When you were talking about gifts, Pastor Tom, when you were speaking today, you were talking about the sacrifice and Micaiah said to Beverly, what is, what's that mean? And Be Beverly said to him, that, that's when we give gifts to, to God. And Micaiah's understanding was, will he play with them? <laughs> will, he, will he play with the gifts? Well, I want to be the one that gives God gifts that he can play with. I want God to work in my life. How about you? Third thing that I want to focus on, the last thing I want to talk about today, is to remember the gifts that we've been given. We need to... We need to 
remember that we need to be thankful, we need to refocus on the gift, and we need to remember what we have already been given. We're coming up to a special time of, of the year, aren't we? A time when we give out gifts to loved ones. Pastor Tom, I forget the name of the celebration, but it's about 29 days from now. What is it again? It's Oh, Christmas. That's right. It's called Christmas. Now, now I don't want to concentrate on the gifts that I'll be getting from others today, and I can't wait to get gifts. I don't want to talk about the gifts that I am giving to anyone today because they're not important. But rather, I'd like to end our time this morning by reflecting on the gifts that we've already been given by God. I don't want to concentrate on, on anything else, but, but I want to talk this morning about what we have received from God. Sometimes when we give thanks to God, we think of the big things. God, thank you for getting me out of that horrible situation. Thank you for delivering me from that, that accident and keeping me from being injured, etc. We think of specific, general, or specific things that have happened, but I think we tend to forget to thank God for all the little things that he does for us every day. The blessings in life that are so basic that if we're not careful, we could take them for granted. I want to talk about just a few of those today with me, if you would. And I know it's, it's 11.10, and I have to be out of here by 2, so I have a little bit of time. So I want to, first of all, talk about the fact that God, one of the gifts, that God is our personal God. God is our personal God. That doesn't mean he's our genie in the bottle. But he is, he is your God and mine. We have a relationship with the creator of the world. Psalm 118 says, you are my God, verse 28. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Think about that. We have access to the one that created, that formed the world. He is our God personally. That's an unbelievable thought that you and I can have and to know. The word extol in the Bible talks about lavishing praise. Friends, because God is my God, because God is our God, there is no better reason for us to pour out our praise to him. And we sing a song sometimes, I'm sure you sing it here as well, it's your breath in our lungs and we pour out our praise to you only. Friends, we need to never forget that God is our God. What a gift. Don't forget also his kindness towards you and I. His kindness towards us. Psalm 107 says, Let them give thanks to the Lord for His loving kindness and for His wonders to the Son of Man. I want you to, to take a second, take, take ten seconds right now. To, I want you to think about your life specifically. And I want you to think, and I'm going to stop talking for ten seconds. I want you to think of the ways that God has been kind to you. Think about it right now. I don't have a timer, but I think that's probably 10 seconds. <clears throat> how has God been kind to you? Do me a favor, with one word, with one word, how, tell me loud enough that I can hear you, and I'll say it again for the cameras to hear. How has God been kind to you? Love? Forgiveness? Hope? Provisions? How else has God been kind to you? Sunshine? Sunship? Yes, grateful. Sunshine too, especially in the winter. It's his, 
kindness, the Bible says, that leads us to repentance, isn't it? His kindness towards us. Quality of being friendly, generous, considerate. God has been generous, compassion, considerate to us. I know he's been that way in my life. Another great gift is that he made us. God made us. Uh, Psalm 139.14, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. A teacher, a teacher asked her students to list what they thought were the seven, seven wonders of the world. Students cast their votes and they came up with Egypt's Great Pyramids, the Taj Mahal, the Grand Canyon, the Panama Canal, the Empire State Building, St. Peter's Basilica, China's Great Wall. Those are incredible wonders of the world. But when the teacher was gathering up the notes, one, te one student had not turned in her paper and she asked the girl if she was having problems with that. And, and the girl said, I, I, a little bit, I couldn't quite make up my mind because there's so many. The teacher said, well, tell me what you have. Maybe we can help. And the girl hesitated and then read, I think the seven wonders of the world are to see, to hear, to touch, to taste, to feel, to laugh, and to love. We need to thank God because he made us the way he did. We need to thank him next because he gives us insight. He gives us insight. Aren't you glad that at times in your life, when you need it the most, God gives you insight. Sometimes we wish we had insight before we had it. Yes, that's a reality. But aren't you glad that God gives you wisdom at times? Daniel 2.23, I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You've made known to me what we've asked of you, and you've made known to us the dream of the king. God reveals life to us if we listen and if we ask him. I thank God for that. You know, as I come here to, to uh, Huron-South Dakota today from my home in Kitchener, Ontario, uh, I recognize, even though I don't know all of you, I recognize that I am with brothers and sisters in the Lord. He puts me as part of the family of God. And, and he, he, he's given you that same ability. God has given us spiritual brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers. He's given us the ability to have a community of faith, a family of faith. That's a real blessing that each of us have. First, Corinthians, First Thessalonians 1-2, we give thanks to God always for all of you making mention of you in our prayer. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, I don't have that scripture on the slides, but it says, I thank my God every time I remember you. Because we're part of the family. We're not meant to do life alone. Friends, I'd say, if I can summarize today, I'd say he has given us everything. God has given us everything. There's nothing that we have that didn't come from his hands. I think the question comes down to us at Thanksgiving is, am I going to thank God at Thanksgiving or the rest of the year? I thank God because I was born at the particular time of, of the world history that I was. 
Why do I deserve to have born in a spotless delivery room in a Canadian hospital? For most of you, why were you born here in the great country of the United States of America instead of a steaming dark shelter in a dank jungle, jungle somewhere in the world or a faraway country wracked with disease and poverty, a place where there wasn't modern medicine or opportunities for health care? Why were we blessed to be born there? Why did I have the privilege of attending a school with capable teachers while millions around the world with very few school supplies sit or, or squat on a dirt floor listening to a missionary trying to instruct them in their language? Why is it that, why is it that my children and my grandchildren were tucked and are being tucked into warm beds at night with clean sheets? when millions of children in the world will lie in cold, damp rooms? Why can I sit down to a warm meal pretty much whenever I want to, when millions will know all their lives the gnawing pain of hunger? Friends, what have we done to deserve such wealth? What have we done to deserve that? Why were we born in a, in a, in a land that we didn't build, in a prosperity we didn't create, and enjoy a freedom that we didn't lay our lives down for. By what right do we get all those things? Friends, I don't know the answer to those questions, but I do know they instruct me and you and I to keep our minds, keep in our minds the words of Ephesians 5.20, always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. The one thing we ought to thank God for this morning more than anything else is the indescribable gift that Paul mentioned at the, at the first chapter of scripture I read today. The word indescribable, I think you probably know what it means. It means incapable of describing with human words or emotions. The gift of salvation and forgiveness of our sins that God has given us through the death of Jesus Christ exceeds the height and the depth of man's ability to describe. When you're tempted to take the gift of salvation for granted, remember the verse, what verses tell us in Titus 3, 3 to 7. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Listen to this. Not because of righteous things that we had done, but according to his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit when he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. Do you hear that, friends? The things that we have to be thankful for are, have nothing to do with what we have done. But because of God's mercy, we've experienced them. And that is something that we can be and must be eternally thankful for. That while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And that brings me to one question that I want to leave you today. Are you a follower of Christ? Have you made that decision in your life to follow him? I know that I'm sitting amongst mostly people that have done that. You've made a commitment of your life to follow Christ. So as I've reminded you today, you know, I know in your heart, you know, I need to be more thankful for what I have. But if you've never made a commitment of your life today, you can know the joy 
and the hope. And you can know the grateful heart that we've been talking about. All you simply have to do is say, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want you to, I want you to take over my life. I want to lay my life down. I want you to do the work that you can do. I want to receive the gift of salvation that you've given me. All it takes is for you to acknowledge your need for Christ. And then that, and the Bible tells us that we're born again, that we follow him at that moment. And I want to encourage you to do that today. If you're not following Jesus at this time, what better time than Thanksgiving would there be for you to lay your life down for him? That would make it the greatest Thanksgiving ever if you'd make a decision to become a follower of Christ. Lord, thank you today that we can look at your word. Thank you, Lord, as we look at the scriptures, we can be challenged and encouraged that we can do more and, and, and need to be more thankful and thoughtful. And I pray today for each one that's here. Lord, I don't know. I don't know if everyone knows you. I don't, I don't know, Lord, the kind of relationship people have with you. But I pray today, Lord, that if there would be one that does not know you, that, Lord, your spirit speaking through what I've said today would, would draw their hearts to you, that they would open their life and let you begin the transformation work so that they too, Lord, next Thanksgiving will have a year of you being so real in their life that they will realize there's so much to thank him for. Lord, I pray too for those that are going through a tough time today. There are some people here, Lord, maybe where, where life is so difficult right now and, and they don't even know how, for the, how they could become thankful, Lord, in the, spite, in the circumstances that they're facing. I pray that your spirit would comfort them today, that you'd remind them again of your presence in their life and remind them that they can put their hope and their trust in you. We ask these things, Lord, in your name. Amen. God bless you, friends. Amen. Thank you, Pastor John. What a great challenge to make Thanksgiving more than a holiday, but to make it a part of our lives. This last week, I had the opportunity to be in seventh grade math class. Uh, our math teacher was gone, and I was thankful to have Mrs. Kleinsaucer in the room to be able to help the students with math. Um, I got to do the devotion, though. And there's a sign that hangs on our athletic billboard or athletic bulletin board at the school. So I quizzed the students because I mean, it's been there as long as Mr. Hofer, so probably 10 or 11 years at least. And I said, Does anyone know what that sign says? And there was quiet. Most of them didn't know. They remembered seeing it, but they're like, I don't know if I remember what it said. But one student finally got it out almost correctly. And that little phrase, it's been there for all those years, it says, what if we woke up today and we only had the things for which we thanked God for yesterday? And it's just a profound reminder that there are so many things to be thankful for in our daily lives. And all of us at that school walk by that sign probably lots of times in a year, but we take it for granted. And we maybe don't stop. And so we, we talked about Paul's words to rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, making sure that we're thankful for every little thing. And so what a great challenge for us today to remember to be thankful. That is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here today. Uh, I want to remind you out at the table in the back, there are uh, offering baskets, connect cards, 
There are the Advent devotions, all kinds of things for you to stop and pick up. If you have not been prayed for yet and would like prayer, uh, our prayer team will be here after the service. Please don't leave. Uh, we'd love the opportunity to pray with you before you leave today. But I want to just pray God's blessing over you and then let you go. And so, Father, I pray your blessing over each and every one of these that are here today, those that are watching online. Would you bless them and keep them? Would you make your face shine on them? Would you lift up your countenance upon them and give them peace? God, be gracious to them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go. Thanks for being here today.